Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. What a great day, huh? Good day. We've had a rough week, but man, it's a better day. And it's a beautiful day. And uh, a couple things, men's conference. Guys, I want to encourage you. Tomorrow the price goes up, so there's no reason to wait. It's going to be a great time together. Uh, Regardless of the speakers, and and I love all the speakers, um, Mike Foster, who's been here many times. Man, I love Mike. And Alan, our own, he goes to McKinney campus, and he'll be speaking. You've never heard him. It's going to be great. And Mike Tyson. So, uh, or John Tyson. I said Mike Tyson. (laughs) John Tyson, uh, or Mike. We might have Mike here too. You never know. <clears throat> so sign up. The second thing is I want to say thank you to this whole church. And, and uh, if, you, if you give to Hope Fellowship, then I just want you to know that what happened this past weekend, um, we did Meals of Hope, uh, over 500,000 uh, meals that we packed for Tanzania and for Central America. And guys, I just want to say thank you. If you, if you came and, and you were able to serve, now many wanted to serve and it filled up so fast. So anytime we have Meals of Hope or something like that, Thanksgiving stuff, you got to sign up quick. But man, if you were able to serve, I want to say thank you for serving. But if you were able to give or if you are able to give, that, that may, that's what made it possible for us to do this. It cost over $200,000. To, to pack those meals or to get those meals here. And then those are real meals and they go to real people. Um, and so I want to say thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for praying. Our teams did a fabulous job. So uh, across all of our campuses, thank you for serving. Thank you for giving and letting us be able to do this for people who uh, are in need around the world. Now, today, very excited. I love starting new series. And I love starting a book series. We're going to be in the book or the gospel of John for the next nine weeks. So I know it's, it's a, a, a longer series than what I usually do, but um, we're leading up to Easter. And so each week is going to build on each week. And, and instead of going verse by verse or chapter by chapter, we're going character by character. So we're going to look at some of the characters in the gospel of John. And, and, and I'm, we've got some great ones. You ever see a, a movie trailer, uh, maybe on TV or commercial, or, or even uh, as you're waiting to watch the movie that you want to watch, the 30 minutes of trailers that you see? Uh, you th- you've seen those trailers with A-list uh, actors like crazy. I mean, there's like 10 of them. And it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, all these people are in one movie. That's what I feel like in this series. All these characters in, in one series. And, and it's going to be, more than anything, I think it's going to be powerful. As Jesus encounters people, he encounters us. The way that he encountered the people in the first century is he came across them the way he encounters us. And so uh, here's our roadmap for the series, okay? So I might change it every now and then, so you got to don't take a picture of this. I might change it, all right? Today, Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to start with him. And then next week, week two, is uh, we're going to talk about the disciples a little bit. Week three the sick, week four, the religious, week five, the religious part two, because they're so crazy, week six, we need two weeks, the women, Uh, week seven, the friends, week eight, Peter, and week nine, the centurion and thief on the cross, I may even throw in Pilate, this is Easter, 
right here. So a powerful time. Man, I hope you'll make all of them, or if you're not, uh, maybe catch them online uh, during the week if you're out of town. But before we dive into Jesus today, uh, I want to give you a little background of the book. Since we're going to be in this book for a while, the Gospel of John, let's look at some of the information that might be helpful for us as we, as we look at this. The author was the apostle or the disciple John, the son of Zebedee. I'll talk more about him in a minute. The date for the writing was between 80 and 90 AD, somewhere in there after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem or after the destruction of, the, of Jerusalem in 70 AD. John writes this gospel probably between 80 and 90 um, and he writes some other things, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, the purpose, there's a, there's a few purposes as, as to why, because there were already gospels written. This was the last gospel to be written. So I'm sure it's a high possibility that John had uh, some of the other gospels to look at, knew what they said at least. And so he gets the opportunity to kind of say, okay, this is what I want you to know. You've heard this. There's no lineage in John. In other words, the lineage of Mary or the lineage of, of Jesus, Matthew and Luke give us that. It's, it just starts with Jesus. And, and there's some themes that are really important, some purposes to demonstrate that Jesus really is the Messiah, uh, the Son of God that was prophesied in the Old Testament. The second one is to show that the Christian faith is universal. In other words, it's for everyone. It's not just for Jews. It's for everyone and that Jesus is the only way to God. And then to equip believers for mission. So there's some great themes. Now some, some interesting or fun facts about John. Because John is a great name, as we all know. <laughs> some fun facts about the gospel or the, uh, the writer of the gospel of John is that John was a fisherman with his family. James and John, you know, the, the, the fishermen, some of the first disciples that Jesus called. John was the closest to Jesus. That's a good fact. John and his brother James were nicknamed Sons of Thunder. And we don't know why. You, ever, you think it's because they're, maybe it's because they're anger, maybe because they're impatient. We don't know. Um, but um, they were called Sons of Thunder. Jesus entrusted his mother Mary while he was on the cross. He looks at the disciple or the apostle John and he says, Take care of my mom. That's John. Next one is John is a pillar in the early church along with Peter and Jesus' brother James. So in the early church, now we know Paul is a huge character in the New Testament, but he comes later. He is years later. In the, in the very beginning, obviously there's Peter. He's, he's huge. Um, James, the half-brother of Jesus, in other words, Mary and Joseph had James, and he wrote the book of James, he was, very he was a very prominent leader in Jerusalem. And then John, the disciple, uh, was the third pillar of the... <clears throat> I'm just getting choked up because it means so much to me. <clears throat> John is a pillar, not only in Jerusalem, but as he travels throughout Turkey and some of the churches in Turkey that, that uh, Revelation talks about. So he's a pillar. And then prominent church leaders in the second century. So he lived the longest, John did. And the, the second century uh, uh, leaders, Polycarp and Ignatius of uh, Antioch, <clears throat> they studied directly under John. 
And then he's the only apostle that we know of to die of natural causes. All the other ones were martyred. Uh, he died of natural causes on the Isle of Patmos. So there's some fun facts about John and, and the, the gospel of John. And today, where we're going to start is with the, with, with the deity of Jesus. Um, we're going we're gonna to just talk about Jesus, his deity, and then, number two, the humanity of Jesus. This is where we're going today, just these two. The deity of Jesus, and what does even that mean? Maybe some of you don't even know what that means. We're going to look at that today. And then the humanity of Jesus. Now, these two things are so important for you and I to understand the gospel. If you don't understand the deity and the humanity of Jesus, it's, it's really hard to understand the, the fullness, the power of the gospel. When we say gospel, the good news, this is the foundation. John doesn't start again with lineage. He doesn't start with a little history of Jesus' birth and then, then he gets to uh, the temptation and then the baptism and, and whatever. No, he starts with, boom, here's the deity, here's the humanity of Jesus. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's, it's, it's important for you and I to understand the deity and the humanity because it's the gospel. And, and so today... These two things, I just want you to listen, really take in. We're going to look at John chapter 1, and just the first part of chapter 1. Just the first part of chapter 1, and then uh, we'll, we'll go on to the next one. John chapter 1, the deity of Jesus, verse 1. In the beginning, the word, using Jesus as the word, already existed. <clears throat> the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, it's easy to pass over the first two lines of the Gospel of John. It's because we've read it maybe so many times, and, and we just kind of move past that. Yeah, the word existed, he was with God, he was God, and then he existed in the beginning. No, 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 you, you, let's, let's wait for just a second. He was with God, so in other words, they're two separate people or entities, spirit, whatever, they are not. There's not just one person up there, the person of the God, the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all in creation. Go back to Genesis 1. And we know that by this passage right here and another one we're going to visit, that he was with God, second person of the Trinity, but he was God. So in other words, there is no, so, so I, I have a son, Connor, I have one son. And he is a little like me, but not entirely. We are not one. Does that make sense? I wish we were because he needs my wisdom. But <laughs> we, we are not one. We're, we're not one. You and your daughter are not one. You and your kids are not one. You're separate individuals. So think of it this way, and I know this is very hard. The Trinity is not an easy one to explain. But they are individuals themselves, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they are one. There is no separation. There is no division. There is no disunity. There is never a discussion about, I don't think we should do it that way type of thing. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. So in creation, everything Everything that it lists that we know of in this earth and in the universe was created 
through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So right here, this is where John starts. I find it interesting. John doesn't say, hey, I'm John, one of the disciples. Hey, for whoever's reading this, I just want you to know how much we love you. And you know, Paul starts his letter like that. God's grace, he, it's a little more religious, but God's grace and, and mercy be upon you. I pray for you continually. Oh, nothing. He just starts with, this is Jesus. And he starts with the deity of Jesus. Paul almost verbatim in Colossians chapter one in his letter to the church at Colossae. Chapter one, let's look at it. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, when you hear Jesus, when you read Jesus, you're reading, hearing, seeing God. Everything he said in the gospels, everything he did, God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For, listen to this. For God in, oh, go back. I wasn't finished. Go back. In the name of Jesus. Okay. For God in all, listen to this. For God in all his fullness, in all his fullness, what you see, in, what we see in Jesus, that's God. In all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Okay, so the deity of Jesus. Now, you might be asking, okay, that's great. I believe he was God. I don't understand the Trinity all that much, but I do understand Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all one, but they're three individuals, and they, they, they have different functions. They do different things. But what does the deity of Jesus have to do with me? What does the deity of Jesus have to do with your family, your work, your life? That's a good question. What does the deity have to do with, with me? I mean, why is that so important? John also gives us the answer to that in chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, Christians have, we, Christians, have used this in a prideful way um, on most occasions. What I mean by that is, is tone. How many, how many know you can use a different tone um, of sarcasm? You can use a different tone of humor. You can use a different tone of anger. 
And most of us look at this as a tone of authority, which no question, Jesus has authority. But, but I, I visit another tone with me just for a minute. I mean, what if it wasn't like in a mean, hateful, even um, a exclusive way? Because you read this, no one can come to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the we, we look at it and we go, oh man, he's saying nobody else, no other way. And that's true. That's true. But the tone he uses is, is, is maybe, listen guys, in order for you to be forgiven, in order for us, all of us, them, us, he's talking to the disciples here, in order for us to be forgiven, there has to be a perfect sacrifice. God is holy and no sin can go undone, uh, unpunished, okay? Because his character. It, so there's no way in which he can just say, oh, let it slide, like you do with your kids sometimes. Some of you need to not do that. But we say sometimes, oh, never, oh, never. okay, well, just don't do that again. God can't do that. His character will not allow it. So, so his holiness demands payment for wrong. It's called justice. It's called righteousness, Within him, there is nothing like we have. There, there is no ability for sin to grow, for sin to go unpunished. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, there has to be a perfect sacrifice, and I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be what, what no human can be. And I'm gonna pave the way for you to be forgiven and to be set free and reconciled to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and that's important for us to understand that it's not through another, and, and I'll say this, and I don't say this in a prideful way or even in a, an exclusive way, because it's a whosoever will type of following of Jesus, religion, if you want to call it religion. Christianity is a whosoever, whoever you are, whatever country you come from, whatever color you are, however much money you have or don't have, it doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome to the table. So when everybody says, you know, oh, this is so, Christianity is so exclusive, it's, it's open to everybody, anybody. Jesus says, God so loved the world so that Everybody, actually he says whosoever in the, in the real King James, right? He says whosoever, whoever wants this, this life. So in that tone, right, in that tone, that's, that's, that's what we understand and understand that, that it, it wasn't a human, it wasn't a prophet, it's not another book, it's not another, quote, Bible, it is the person of Jesus, the deity of Jesus. And so when we understand that deity, let me put it on the screen like this. There is no other means by which our sins are forgiven. No other means. And that we are reconciled to the Father, but through Jesus. And that's just not in a prideful, exclusive tone. That is in a everybody, hey, listen, come here, come here, everybody, every nation, every nation, come here. Guys, it's already been done for you. You don't have to work your way up to God. God worked his way to you. Amen. So everybody, come here, come here. This is for you. It's a gift. It's not exclusive, guys. This is a gift. 
that there is no other way, not through any other man, not through any other prophet. Someone without sin had to pay the price for sin, and no human was able to do that. So the deity of Christ makes way for his perfection, and thus our substitute and payment for sin. And here's the key, ready? Here's the key. He wasn't just a good man, he is God. He wasn't just a good man. That was like, man, he is, wow, he's a great teacher, great rabbi. He is God. Now, when you understand the gospel, part of that is understanding the deity of Jesus, that he is God, the visible representation of God. Everything you heard him say, everything you saw him do, it's God. That's the deity of Jesus. Now, there's so much more we could say about that. But let me go to number two. That's the humanity of Jesus. Now, listen, equally as important as the deity of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, and it's found in John 1 again. He, he starts his book with the deity, and then let's read, let's read on down, chapter one, here we go. So the word became human, so God became human. Emmanuel, in other, I, I, I wanna say it's Luke, Emmanuel, God with us. He became human, and he lived with us. Uh, the, the message uh, paraphrase says, he moved into the neighborhood. I, I, I just met a friend, he's a pastor, he's from Brooklyn, and um, he pastors in Chicago now, but he, uh, his father-in-law's uh, Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tab, um, famous church in, in Brooklyn, but um, I was at a conference and we were talking, and I'll be out there in a, in a few weeks actually, to be at his church in Chicago, but uh, he's from Brooklyn, and he says, I'm from the hood. Now, I've been to Brooklyn, my son lives in Brooklyn. I don't, know what, I don't know where he's from, but he said it was bad. It was bad. Now, I don't have any, ra- I, I was raised in Harlingen, Texas, South Texas. I have no clue what the hood is. You know what I'm saying? No, I have no, zero. I, I don't even know what part of it is. I don't, I don't know what, ha- I can only imagine because I've seen movies, but I can only imagine how dangerous and, you know, all that stuff. I have no idea what it was like for Al to grow up in the hood in Brooklyn. I have no idea. You know why? Because I wasn't raised there. I didn't, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Harlingen, Texas, God's country. <laughs> and that's a joke <laughs> because it's not. But so the word became human and he made his home among us. He lived, he walked in our shoes. And listen to this, he, and this is so important. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He made his home among us. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to feel pain, both emotional and physical. He knows what it's like to be in front of his faith, face, his best friend, Peter, or one of them. John was really the best friend. Peter was a wannabe. But Peter denied him. He knows what it's like, and you know what it's like. 
and as a result of living among us, he had unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, Father's one and only Son. In other words, we don't have a God. King James in Hebrews, and I'm going to read it in just a minute, but King James says it this way. We do not have a God who is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, we don't have a God who stayed in heaven and said, work it out. We don't have a God in heaven who said, figure it out. Life's tough. Grow up. Don't be a baby. We have a God who walked in our shoes. Hebrews chapter four says it like this. Since, so, so then, since we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, listen, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his what? Mercy. His mercy. Not I told you so, idiot. Right? No, he doesn't say that. He's not that kind. He, 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 so when we need it most, when we find ourselves in the testings and failing, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's the humanity of Jesus. Amen. Back to John chapter 1, verse 14. He says, so the word became human in his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Guys, he knows. He knows the struggle. He, know, he feels it for you because he lived here. He moved into the ghetto. He moved into the neighborhood. He moved into the hood. He moved into South Texas. He, he, he knows what it's like to be rejected and to be tempted and to, and to walk in all kinds of emotional, painful, physical things. He knows what it's like to be human. And so in, John, in Luke chapter 15, it's one of my favorite chapters. It's the story, uh, Jesus is, again, the religious. And we're gonna talk about the religious in, in a couple of weeks. Poor guys. Um, but he's talking to the religious. They were all mad because he was hanging out with notorious sinners. And I talk about this a lot. I feel like we need to. I feel like there's a group of Christianity that's growing, and I see it on social media and Twitter, and maybe you don't see it because I have different feeds or whatever. But, man, there's just this real, real weird um, self-righteousness happening. And it's, in, it's to combat the unrighteousness that's happening in our world. Does that make sense? And so I totally get it. It's just totally wrong. Guys, we, we have no business being prideful about anything, spiritually speaking. Now, we do stand for righteousness. And I'm going to teach, teach the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you when you're sinning, when I'm sinning. I'm going to call it out. It's not that we don't call out sin. It's the way in which we do that. And the religious leaders were just so prideful that they just were criticizing Jesus because he was hanging out with people that they, they felt like he shouldn't hang out with. That would be bad for his reputation. Notorious, it's, it just says in Luke 15, notorious sinners. 
And then in response, Jesus tells this story. He says, there was a sheep who went astray. And the shepherd went to go find the sheep. Left the 99, left to go find the sheep. And then there was a lost coin. Somebody lost that coin. The sheep wandered off by itself. The coin was lost by the woman. Like women lose their keys. She lost the coin, right? I never lose my keys, right? Kidding. Totally, no emails on that. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Women are awesome. We're going to talk about women in just a few weeks. In a good way. In a good way. But the coin was lost. And in, in, in paraphrasing the story, God turned the house upside down to find that lost coin. Third story is the lost son, the rebellious son. He knew what he was doing. He was arrogant. He was prideful. He was selfish. He was greedy. And he took off. And when he got to where he figured it out, this, this, this sinful life is not what I thought it would be. He comes running back, expecting I told you so. Expecting go to the servant's house. Expecting to be rejected and say, you're not worthy of this name anymore. But what did he get? He got a coat. He got a ring. He got a party. Let me just tell you something. The gospel without the humanity of Jesus makes no sense. Those of us in this room that struggle with sin, addiction, we sang it in that, in that second, or last song, sorry, that last song, that Jesus song. How many of that's your favorite song right now? I'm telling you, when I hear that song, it's like, okay, let's sing it again. I, I wanted her to say, just, let's go again. Let's do it again. His name is I can't sing it, but his name is power. I don't know the words, or I could sing it. His name is power. His name is whatever. Awesome. And, and we're singing that song. Listen, guys, I know some of you raised Baptist. You need to wake up. That song is unbelievable. Those words, I can't, I, can't, I mean, the hair on my, on my arm stands up because I'm like, oh, my goodness. I speak over my family the holy name of Jesus. I speak over my situation, my depression, my anxiety, the holy name of Jesus. That's the deity of Jesus. You don't have to worry about, is he able to handle this? You don't have to worry in your life, is he able to handle my circumstance or my finances or my spouse or my job or my kids? He is God. And he knows. He knows what it's like to be us. He's God and he's us. And in, the, in that, you would think there would be a selfish, prideful thing in the middle. But there is a grace. There is a mercy. He knows what it's like to be us. He didn't fail like us or fall like us. But man, he offers this grace. And if you're here today, and maybe, maybe you needed to know that the deity of Jesus, that he is all-powerful and that he can handle your situation, whatever that situation is, now, he doesn't always handle it the way, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say this, he doesn't always handle it the way we want. He doesn't always handle it the way that we think he should, but he is all-powerful, and he is able to do exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. 
the deity of Jesus and the humanity. Let me put it on the screen one last time so that you get it. His deity helps us understand that there is nothing impossible with him. So if you're in a situation that seems impossible and you don't know how you're going to make it through, can I just tell you, that marriage may not work. I don't know. God doesn't force himself on the other person. He doesn't make somebody do something they want to do. It takes two in that, you know what I'm saying? But, but in that, he will provide for you the strength, the peace, the wisdom that you need, whatever that is. Whatever it is that you're facing, nothing is impossible with him. That's the deity of Jesus. And then the humanity of Jesus helps us understand his grace when we need it. So are you here today in need of his power, in need of his grace, his deity, his humanity. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes across all of our campuses and I want us to, I'm just gonna ask you if you're here today and there's a circumstance that seems overwhelming to you. I know a lot of people deal with this. In April, we're gonna really talk about this quite a bit, but a lot of us struggle with anxiety. A lot of us struggle with an anxiousness, maybe even a depression. And it just seems like it's impossible. It just seems like you've been to doctors, you've tried medicine, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that, and it just seems like, God, what in the world? It just seems impossible. Maybe you're in a, an impossible relationship. Maybe you're in an impossible job. Maybe you're in an impossible family. If you're here today and you need to know that he has power for you, and you're gonna tap into that and just say, Lord, I trust, I believe that you are the peace speaker. You are able to calm the storm in my life and I need that. Raise your hand and say, you know what? I'm gonna put my faith, I'm gonna put my trust that he is the, the peace speaker in my life. Yeah, all across our building, all across our campuses. If you're here today and on the other side of this, you just need a lot of his mercy and grace. There's some things going on in your world. There's some things going on in your life. You're maybe a, a wandering sheep. Maybe you're a lost coin. Maybe you're a rebellious son or daughter. And it's time for you to come home. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me because I need that grace and that mercy. Yes, yes, yes. All across, yeah. Anybody else? Just say, I need that mercy in my life. Ready to come home across our campuses. Lord, thank you for your word and, and thank you for who you are. That John started with the most important thing, that you are God but you know what it's like to be us. And, and, and that blend helps us in our most desperate time of need. There is nothing impossible with you and you're gonna give us the grace that we need in our time of test. So Lord, we answer that call. We take a step today to claim the holy name of Jesus over our circumstance and the holy name of Jesus over our weakness. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.